Good morning, church. It is so good to be with you today, Pastor Tim, and I want to be the first to wish you a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Driving over this morning, you know, the first day here of November and the Christmas music is on. But don't we need some joy in our life? And somebody said it's good to be seen today, and that it is. We are resurrected people. And I'm glad that you are here today and that we can worship the Lord together. I've got an image for you there on the screen that's going to pop up. And it's a dollar bill. I've got another one here. Uh, this is floating around out on the internet. And I'm a piece of paper and I control your entire life. Some people may acknowledge that, right? And somebody's made the observation that life is like a dollar bill. Life's like a dollar bill. And uh, the one I've got here, it's a one. And for a lot of people, money, this is their one thing that controls their life, guides their life. It's in the top slot in their life. And you know, somebody said life is like a dollar bill. And you can spend it any way that you want to, but you can only spend it once. And if we boil things down, you can spend this in one of two ways. One is you can waste it, or another is you can invest it. And you know what? Life is really like that, isn't it? We only have such a precious few days to live in this world. We've only got just so many minutes, so many days to explore this world experience this world and are you going to waste your time or are you going to invest your time and today whether you're young or old six or 60 healthy or wealthy puny or poor I want to say to you that you can make the rest of your life the best of your life if you follow some scriptural principles that we're going to talk about here this morning now, let me just ask you today, anybody here like to start over in life? Anyone? Just raise your hand. This is not a wrong or right. Okay, you got some hands going up. All right. What age, if you could tell us, what age would you go back and start at? 20? 15? After high school? Someone else? 18? A lot of people I talk to are like, you know, I have no regrets, but it would be really cool if I could go back to high school and live my life over again. And others I've talked to said, man, I've really made some mistakes in my life, and I just wish I could change things. I just wish I could go back. But let's just suppose for a moment you were able to dial it back, and you were able to start over again just after high school. And you're old enough to know right from wrong. You're old enough to love. You're old enough to live. You're old enough to learn. And you had this opportunity to go before God and ask for a piece of advice. What do you think God would say? I know what God would say. He would share these words with us that we're going to dive into today here in Matthew 6. Here in verse 33. We're in the sermon series right now that we're calling What If? As we start this month, it's a 
Lord's Day, the first day of the week, first day of the month, how fitting it is that we all be challenged with the thought today of what if Jesus was really the first place in my life? What would it be like for me today if God was the top priority in my life? Now, there's a scripture that speaks to me here out of the text that Sarah read us. And there are words here, I want you to know, that's really a guiding principle for my whole life of discipleship. And it's become my verse, at least one of the verses, that guides my philosophy of ministry. And it's right here in verse 33. Jesus here speaking. And he gives us this three-step formula for making life its best. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Jesus here, he spoke this and shared this recipe for how to live an abundant life while we're here enjoying these moments that we have that God has so graciously given to us. And he gives us this three-step formula to follow. And you can really summarize what Jesus said here in about three words. First things first. That's part of the recipe. It's the formula that the Lord gives here. And so I want us to unpack this text here for just a moment, these words that God has given to us here in this text, and think about it. I mean, the formula for how we can live our life is found in this tremendous statement that Jesus gives us here. The first thing God says here is that we need to set proper priorities. Now, look at this picture. This is also out on the Internet, and this caught my attention this week in some article I was looking at and I don't even know where to begin with this picture. But I have to admit, I get to some of these points in life where my desk starts filling up, and I have to take one of these strategic stops and think about, what is going on here? And I'll do this tidy up thing, and I'll get reorganized, and, and I feel so much better. But a lot of people live their life like this. It's just so chaotic. It's so filled with so many things that need attention. So many things to do, and it's like we don't ever finish it, and so we set it here, a pile of things, and we're going to get back to it. And our lives are so busy. Our lives are so full of things that want to compete for our attention, that want our time, that want our resources, that want our affection. And just think about it. Jesus here in this text before us says, you know what? You need to set proper priorities. You need to set the right priorities in life. Our lives today are so full of to-do lists and opportunities to run here and so many things really to do that people don't commit to things today. Isn't that true? I, I mean, the sad thing is the way that Technology is increasing so rapidly. The pace of change is so incredibly, uh, you know, fast today that people don't want to commit. Something better may come along by the end of the week. People don't commit to relationships today. In fact, the marriage rate is going down. People don't want to commit to marriage just because somebody else better, they might think, might come along. People don't want to commit to a particular career. People change careers. They change jobs all the time. People don't want to commit to any kind of long-term investment, it seems. So quick to get in and out of this. People don't want to commit to the church. 
something else might better come along. People don't want to commit to anything on Saturday night because there might be another opportunity. I don't know how I'll feel and what other thing is going to come up out there, so I'm hesitant to make any kind of commitment. And in fact, if there's one operational attitude that is so prevalent in our lives today, it's really to keep our options open. I don't want to be tied down. I don't want to be tied down and something else that's going to be titillating and exciting that might come up that I can really put my attention to. I don't want to get to the end and say, oh, I filled my plate with all the wrong things. But you know what? Everything rises and falls on our priorities in life. If your priorities are out of order, you're going to be out of order. If your life is not prioritized right, then you're going to have chaos. And so many today don't have their priorities in tune with God. Lots of folks today have these things that they're doing, and it's leading their life to be so bifurcated, and so their attention is split on so many things. And yet Jesus so simply tells us here in this scripture that we need to seek him first. Somebody said that idols are good things that we make God things, and that's a bad thing. And it led one philosopher to say that if God made us in his image, we have certainly returned the compliment. Isn't it true today that there are so many things that have become our idol? So many things that we idolize in this world. Money becomes our idol, our portfolios become all of our focus to life. Our cards, our possessions become somehow a focus of our life. Our leisure time. I just live for golf. I just live for this. I just live for that kind of hobby in life. It's all my life, really is. And oh, by the way, if I have enough time at the end of the day or at the end of the week, I'll spend maybe 20 or 30 minutes at church. If we're not careful as disciples, friends, we will replace God who should be in our driver's seat with something else in life. You know, if you're a disciple, you don't have to pray about what your top priority is in life because you already know what it is God has given it to you. You don't have to go to your small group and say, well, what do you think I ought to prioritize this week? Because you already know what your priorities are. And here in this text, we find Jesus in verse 33 telling us like it is. He said, our first priority here is that we need to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, the word here that's used is a word that means actively pursue. It means to go after. The word here means it's in the present tense, which means you're in hot pursuit on a daily basis. It's continuous action here. Every day of your life ought to be to seek the kingdom of God. And if you're going to have a kingdom, you're going to have a king. And that means God needs to be the king of your life. The first priority of your life ought to be to seek the king of the kingdom. And being a disciple is more than just accepting Christ, but it's seeking Christ too. It's a daily walk with God. And you know what faith is? Faith is putting the king first. And let me tell you something. Jesus does not just want a place in your life. Jesus doesn't want some prominence in your life. 
God doesn't want some like little slice of your life, but God wants preeminence in your life. And he says it right here in the greatest sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount here, Matthew 6 and 33, to seek God first and his kingdom. The second piece of this formula that Jesus gives us to, uh, to us here is in the next words. For he says here in the text, his righteousness. Not only are we seek his kingdom, but his righteousness. And that is, not only are we to seek God's guidance, but we are to pursue God's character in our life. The kingdom of God is not only to be inwardly experienced, but it's to be outwardly expressed. And that is, a disciple's character is simply the outward expression of whatever's taken place on the inside. And is God, as he wrestled away, all of those things in this world from the top position in your life? And if we're pursuing Christ, we pursue his righteousness. Now, faith is always seen by its fruit. And character is always seen by its conduct. I love that verse back in the Old Testament, Proverbs 20. It says, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. And as you seek the kingdom of God, people ought to be able to see the kingdom of God in us. There ought to be something really different about your life compared to the things of the world. Nitschke, who was the German philosopher, is the guy that really helped found that uh, Nazi movement there years ago. He was really, as best we know, the first guy that ever came out and concluded in the world that God is dead. And you know what he said about that? He saw us Christians. Somebody asking about it, and he said, well, if you want me to believe in your Redeemer, you're going to have to look a little bit more redeemed. And you know what? At the very least, a disciple ought to make it easier for others to believe in God by the way you live your life. And if God is not the top priority in your life and you've got other idols, it's not going to be demonstrated in your walk. And then thirdly, let me say to you here that we find that Jesus goes on here and he says that we seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now what are these things? Well, as Sarah read them here, we find out in verse 19, the Lord's talking about people worry about finances. Isn't that true? We worry about finances and we get that. But he says, stop worrying about treasures. Stop laying up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break and steal. And not only did he say in this text, stop worrying about finances, he said, stop worrying about food. Look down in verse 25. So I tell you to stop worrying about what you will eat or drink or wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Think of it. And not only does he say, don't worry about finances, don't worry about food, but then he says, don't worry about fitness. I know it's really important to exercise. I exercise almost every day. We need to take care of the bodies that God has given to us. But notice here what he says. Can any of you add a single hour to your life by worrying about it? Not only say here, don't worry about finances, don't worry about food, don't worry about fitness, but he says, don't even worry about fashion. So many people worry about what they're going to wear. And he says in verse 28, why worry about clothes? Notice how the flowers grow in the field. They never work or spin yarn for clothes. 
the Lord takes care and provides. And then he simply says here, for all of these things that we need, everyone is concerned about these things, even the Greeks. And your heavenly Father certainly knows you need all of them. Jesus has promised if we will put him first, if we will follow after him, yes, we're going to have adversity. Yes, we're going to have challenges. Yes, there's going to be some pain. There's going to be tribulation, as he said. I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to guide you and provide for you. I wonder today, do you really want to make the rest of your life the best of your life? You need to put Christ first. I'll never forget the story of these two guys. That, you probably know where this phrase comes from, but I heard these two store owners. It was locally owned stores, and they were always competing with one another. They had about the same merchandise and the same products, and they were basically right across the street. They were always trying to one-up one another. And so this one day, the manager and the owner of this business, he came out with this sign and put it over his door, and he says, if you want it, we have it. And the owner got across the street was like, wow, that's, that's a great statement. And he got to thinking about it. The next day he comes out with his sign and he says, if we don't have it, you don't need it. You see, what the Lord was trying to teach here, I think, right here in his word, is it's our job to serve God and God's job is going to be to supply. Supply for our needs. I'm so grateful for people who are striving to put Christ first. Striving to lead a life that pursues Christ. I, I'm excited about this interview that we had recently from Deontay, who faithfully attends here on a Tuesday night, our Stepping Forward program. Uh, I see him over in the grocery store every now and then, and he's a wonderful young man. And he sat down with our discipleship director, um, uh, Dwayne Davis, and he shared about how God is transforming his life. And I want you to give just a moment of watching his story. So first of all, though, how did you learn about Faith Community Church? Give us a little bit of history about how long you've known us. Um, so Faith Community, I've been coming here for about 10 years now, every Tuesday for Stepping Forward. We were one of the first families for Stepping Forward. Wow. And me and Tara Yonka, we kind of connected that first night we met, and I've been her side buddy ever since. So I've known her for 10 plus years now, and she's always been a person who motivates me and kind of walks me through my relationship with Christ as well. You told me about attending a weekend experience called Chrysalis, and really that was something that helped to kind of reignite your sense about God's presence in your right, life. Yeah. Anything about that weekend that would be helpful for us to hear? Chrysalis was, you go in as a, a caterpillar and then you come out at the end of the week, at the three-day weekend as a butterfly, kind of like you're you're, I guess you can say you're growing your relationship with the Lord. And um, so basically a big moment for that weekend was when you go and you can nail all your sins and everything in your past onto the cross, mm -hmm. kind of as a new beginning and God's always, uh, he always will forgive you and he's always there for you. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a new beginning. Like once you 
know who God is and he's a part of your life, like, it's kind of a new feeling, like, um, each morning you wake up, as long as, like, you're talking to God and, like, you know he's there for you and different things like that, it's just, like, it's like a cup of coffee or something, like, it makes you happy in the morning to know he's there, like, you can talk to him whenever you want or need to. Um, baptism, historically, is this uh, kind of rite of passage, kind of like a beginning point in Christian history where a person says, basically, I'm in, like, uh, I'm going to go public, that this thing that God is doing inside of me, I want the whole world to know, I'm in. Right. So tell us tell us that story. I, I Being able to make that first time decision was like a big step and like yeah. it just it feels so good to be able to commit your life to him and all, all things like that. Uh, down the river they were doing baptisms in the Ohio River. And I just thought it's a, it's a once in a moment lifetime thing like to be able to get that chance to do that. So um, he told me I can come back next weekend and do it as well. So I came back next week. I still didn't bring any clothes. So I was still like on the way down there on the choir ride still in the back of my head thinking like do I really want to do this like it's going to be a big moment like sitting down there like I finally had made the decision I said no I'm not going to do it <laughs> and then towards the end of the service we start playing a song and um he came over and he said even if you don't have a pair of clothes like come on like I'll, I'll give you my jacket to go and get that <laughs> so the guy up front said that the guy up front on the on stage, stage said that and that, that was just a that was a moment quicker for me like okay it's time to get baptized so I made the decision to go and get baptized right after the service that day. Baptism, I'm thinking about different times I've baptized people and uh, it was an emotional deal for me like mine happened a long time ago but I can still remember how I felt. Like, right. like, I'm gonna ask you the feeling question and do it. So like you're hesitant on the way there, you're not sure, last minute, like I'm going for it, you do it. You're plunged underneath the water, you come up, what was it like? like after after doing that like you just felt the Lord talking to you like you're welcome like you're home now where you belong different things like that like it's just there was a there was a good feeling in my heart like I'm home now I, where I, I'm where I belong and I'm, I'm committed to who I want to commit to and it just like it was emotional at the same time and also to have Tara do it who's been part of my life for so long and also mm -hmm. to guide me through everything with Christ and stuff just for her to be able to do it with me too uh, now that's happened, what have you know? What's different? Um, I can say what's different is every morning I usually get up and pray for my household and me as an individual and other people every day, like just to have a safe day. I always come back home at the end of the day because you never know what can happen. And then also, I also have a devotional, daily devotional book that I just read every morning and give me kind of a re-up and kind of take a moment in and kind of read something from God, like just talking to me and talking to myself and him as well. So we're in the series, What If? And um, the whole idea is that life is different once we make this commitment to Jesus. So it's different now, like it's radically different and everything has changed. Would that be accurate? Uh, yeah, because I can also say like in your day-to-day -day life, like kind of once you get to know the Lord as well, like another big thing I think or something I personally can do, like you can see people who be hurting as well. And it also feels good when you just pray for someone mm -hmm. like yourself and be able to ask God to help them and watch over them as well. Like if you have really close friends and things like that, like my friends personally, um, after Christmas, a lot of things, we had a large talk, like just kind of get together, like to kind of talk about God. Like I wanted to share my experience. And I think that was a big changer for them as well to see someone their age and 
same friend group as them to tell them like God is good and different Dude. things and explain. So these aren't your chrysalis buddies. These are your right, your regular friends. buddies. Yeah, right. I think it's good to share like your story with other people, That's like awesome. kind of like share his love and his story with other people. Dude, you rock. <laughs> Thank you. It's a great story. Thank you. for sharing Deontay and uh, what a blessing it is when God is first in our life and so what if today Jesus was really and truly first in your life I want to challenge you with that as we come to this moment of communion God has provided us this opportunity that we can gather at his table and that we can really um, go before God with repentance. God, I confess that I'm not where I really need to be right now in my life with you. And please forgive me. And please help me overcome those temptations. Help me to focus on you and to make you first every day of my life. For if I do that, the rest of my life will be the best of life. Shall we pray? Oh God, we come before your table today of love and grace. How fitting it is on this first Lord's Day of November, the first Sabbath of the week. And just to say, Lord, I need you in my life. Forgive me of my failures Forgive me, God, for putting other things, those idols, in the center, on the pedestal, in the driver's seat of my life. I confess it to you right now. And I pray, Lord, for your forgiveness. And Lord, we just give you thanks that we can surrender our lives to you. We ask your blessing upon each and every one here today. We thank you for this meal, and we remember, Lord, how you took the bread and gave it to the disciples and said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me, and likewise the cup as you shared it with those that were there in that upper room, and you said, this is, this is my blood shed for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. So, Lord, as we gather here today, and we break bread together, and we share the cup together, we pray, oh God, that you would strengthen our hearts. Instill within us that joy in the midst of this chaotic world. Give us that rest and peace from such tribulation and division. Help us to unify together around you to commit our lives completely to you, indeed surrender to you. May you bless each and every one here as we come into this moment of communion with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.